welcome to another episode of Wesley Union. Um, today we are talking about Advent and the Candle of Peace with um, Reverend Emily Knight. Um, Pastor Emily, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. A little bit chilly, but you know, coffee's good. <laughs> Coffee is great. Um, so I guess I should ask you to tell tell us a little bit about yourself because like I know a little bit about you, but I don't think anyone else maybe does potentially. <laughs> Well, hi. Uh, my name is Emily, Emily Knight. I am a pastor here in Jacksonville in the United Methodist Church. I'm at Riverside Park UMC. I have a toddler who's running around somewhere here in the house in an elf costume. So if she pops in, please forgive the noise. Um, I love penguins. So one of my favorite things about this season is the random penguins that are all over the place. Um yeah, there's a lot of other things, but I think those are the most important. <laughs> those seem important. Derek also likes penguins. I don't know if y'all have shared in that. that no. I'm very excited. We're going to have to nerd out on that. <laughs> I bet. That's yeah, he has some story about some penguin he saw one time at a zoo and like, yeah. So yeah, y'all have to chat. Well, we did. I got there. Like the Tampa Aquarium has this option, like, it, it was a gift. Somebody like my husband got it for me for my birthday one year. And we got to like actually meet a real penguin in real life. Like the penguin's name was Pebbles and Pebbles like chewed on the hairband that I kept on my wrist. It was so magical. And I like almost cried. The penguins have, they have little warm flippers. I it just like, it kind of felt like the, the pad of a cat's paw, like that, like warm kind of squishy. That's what penguin feet feel like. It's, wonderful I'm sorry but yeah we're here to talk about advent not penguins but I, I mean, can talk about penguins too but penguins matter as well as advent in different ways I guess but like <laughs> <laughs> yes I agree <laughs> uh, so I guess speaking of advent um why does advent matter then now that we've established that it does <laughs> now that we've established that penguins matter let's uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I think there, I, I love Advent. I mean, nerdy church detail, Advent is the start of the church's calendar. So there's something about Advent that kind of feels like a refresh, new start. Um, but more often than not, I feel like we, like culture just jumps into Christmas and like the cultural Christmas is this like happy, happy, joy, joy, like very cheesy surface level and Advent is that space where we really, like, we look to the prophets and we look to the places where the world is, like, yearning for and, like, needing for the joy of Christmas. And so Advent, Advent is that honest space where we get to say, no, there's grief. Like, we, we need Jesus. Like, there's injustice and we need Jesus. Like, this is, that's that, that space of, of just being honest in ourselves and honest in our world and, and pausing to say, yeah, we're, we're waiting for God to come and set the world right. That's a really important call as Christians to, to say a name and be honest about. Yeah. Yeah. I love, I love the way you explain that. It's always interesting for me to hear the way, cause you're the fourth person I've had explain like Advent um, since we've been doing all the candles. And it's interesting to hear the points that everyone harps on and the points that like different people like bring out mm. from it. Um, Cause everyone talks about, yes, it's like the season of like waiting and preparation and kind of a pause and a reflection, but then you, you know, were bringing up like justice and the way the world should be. And, you know, kind of, and that was not that other people haven't mentioned that, but that's, it was kind of your like main point. And I, I really appreciate that. Um, 
So, and you, you touched on this a little bit at the start of your response, but you mentioned that it's the start of the liturgical year and the calendar for the church. So why does that matter generally? Like, why does the liturgical calendar even matter? I mean, we said Advent mattered, but broader sense. So like full honesty, like very big picture, like salvation for the world, our relationship with scripture and God, like the liturgical calendar is not like the thing that we worship. Um, So I would say on that matter, like it's like, I'm not going to die on the liturgical calendar, but, but, what I've learned just as a person, and this is where I'm constantly like, okay, this is, this is why I need church. Like if, if it's just up to me, like I get lazy and I get boring and like my relationship with God, like I need structure to keep me like moving and accountable. And I feel like that's kind of the gift of the liturgical calendar is it is that structure. It's that rhythm that reminds us that even our time, our lives, our calendars are shaped by the life and teaching of Jesus you know, and so the liturgical calendar itself, like when we're year after year, like year after year, we're celebrating Christmas, like to remember, oh yeah, God came into this world. God breathed the dust of this world. God stepped in. God came in the lowliness and like came to the poor shepherds. Like these are the things that remind us who God is and that that constant, like when we invite God into our time, like literally we open up our calendar and we shape our calendar based on the story of God. And then we live in that time and that calendar. We are then living into the story of God that surrounds us and, and shapes us. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's powerful to say my, our, our lives are shaped by the birth of Christ in the world, by the death and resurrection of Christ in the world, by the season of the church continuing that story. Um, so yeah, that's why, yeah, that's why I appreciate it. Hmm. Are there specific things that like you try to do to like live into the liturgical calendar more and live into the life of Jesus and stuff at all? Or I mean, there's like, I mean, yes, the short answer is yes. I mean, there's like the the traditions that we do every year. Um, like one of my favorite Advent traditions, it's called the Jesse tree. Uh, it's, it's an Advent calendar, but instead of starting with like the Jesse or starting with like Mary, Joseph, like angel, like it starts all the way back in Genesis. Hmm. And so for each of the 24 days, 25 days, including Christmas, like we're putting, there's a different scripture story we look to that's like creation and then the fall and then, um, like, like Habakkuk is on there and like Micah that's proclaiming like the coming. I mean, so it's, there's just like these tiny pieces that, that, that fullness of the story that leads us to Christ, um, you know, reading, reading that, telling that story. And and now, now that I have a toddler, you know, it's kind of fun to like tell her about these things. Um, and I mean, and there's, yeah, like there's our like personal traditions of like, you know, December rolls around and December 1st is World AIDS Day. You know, I think like that giving of the season, that connection there, you know, that we, we try to be faithful in our finances through the season in ways that are also supporting God's love for the world. Um, there's, you know, the season of Lent is that typical like season of fasting and repentance. And, you know, I find that, I mean, the truth is that we could all do some fasting and repentance all the time, um, but having the rhythm of Lent to intentionally say, hey, make sure we do this um, is is helpful on that personal spiritual uh, space. So does that answer that question? Yeah, yeah. I was just, I was just curious. That one was a little off script, I guess, but I was just like, I want to know. 
No, that's fine. I just, I, I don't know. So first of all, I'm a preacher, so I could talk forever and ever and ever. And like, I love talking about Jesus and church and life and faith. And so my, my, my struggle with this stuff is always like, okay, how much is too much? <laughs> like nobody, nobody wants to sit and watch this podcast for like four hours. So I let mean, me pull it back. <laughs> someone might, Derek would, um, Haley might. Yeah. Even Derek doesn't have that much time or he shouldn't be spending that much time on just a single podcast. So true. true. (laughs) Somebody text him and tell him that as he commits to all the things. (laughs) Derek rest, rest is part of waiting. Peace. Peace comes with resting in God, but that's, that's for all of us. No judgment. All love. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Um, so what specifically then does Advent mean to you? Because you've kind of talked about Advent matters and some traditions you have, but like, what does Advent mean to you at the core of like, of it, like personally? I think that the simplest nutshell description is just the reality that like we need Jesus. Um, you know, on a personal, like I, I need Jesus the world needs Jesus. Um, and I, and again, it's that with Advent being that like light and darkness, we look for light as we sit in darkness. I think it's also that space to re- remember intentionally that the spaces of darkness are real and we need to pay attention to them as well. The spaces of darkness are real and we need to pay attention to them as well. Can you elaborate on that statement? Cause I just, I really feel like it's powerful. There's a lot underneath of it. Right. Well, it's okay. So I feel like, and, and, and some of this is like particular to like the context of like, okay. So when we're telling the story of Jesus and Christmas, if you are in the space where like, you know, there's privilege and you've got what you need. And like Christmas is just this like really happy family tradition where we sit around and we light candles and we drink overly sweetened like coffee beverages that are, you know, like a lot of money. And like, that's just like, it's the ribbons and the bells and the lights. And like, that's Christmas. That's beautiful. And that's lovely. And that's fun. But that's not the gospel. Like the gospel of Jesus Christ isn't just surface level, like let's decorate. It's a much deeper, God came into the world to transform it. And God came into the world specifically to come and bring transformation to the spaces where there is injustice, where folks are not in the warmth of drinking hot cocoa by the fire, but the folks that are sitting in the cold on the outside, they feel lonely and forgotten. And like this, this is the space, like every piece of the Christmas story, like the angels came to shepherds in the fields, like the working poor in the middle of the night, you know, the, the fact that Mary is like 12 and like a poor Jewish girl, like this is, this is where the gospel comes. And even her song, when she's saying, like God has scattered the proud and God has lifted the lowly and God has remembered those who have felt cast off. Um, like the gospel of Jesus comes especially for the spaces where people are hurting. And like our call as the church is to, to share the good news and not just like, yay, good news, Jesus. But like, 
no, really, we, we believe that where there's injustice, like the, the plan of God is to bring redemption. Like we believe that where people are outcast or on the outside, like we believe that God's plan of, of love is, is especially for, for these. Um, and so I feel like, like if you're in a season where like you've lost a loved one or you're struggling with seasonal depression, like if you're in this space of darkness already, um, and there are, there are spaces in the world, like, I mean, 2020 is a year where we get the grieving space. Like this has been, I hate to say this has been the best Advent, but I think this has been the the, the easiest Advent season to preach because with all of the injustice, because with so many of the grief that we have felt in 2020, like we're getting here and we're saying, yeah, the week of hope. Yeah. We, we need hope. <laughs> we, we need it. The week of peace yeah, the, the world is scattered and we're exhausted. Like we, we need God's peace. Um, and where I feel like in previous years, the season of December is this always like, wait, like in the midst of your to-do list, like pencil in God's peace, like slow down, let's wait. Like we're, I feel like the proclamation is like, let's remember in our privilege that there are, are folks that need the good news. Um, like, Advent is that space that intentionally calls us to wait and lean into making sure we get the gospel purpose of the story of Christ entering in. Um, Cause that's like, you, you don't understand the power of resurrection until you're sitting in the Valley of the shadow of death. Like you, you don't understand the fullness of like, I need the love of God until you are, feeling alone and lost and weary and like abandoned. And then into that space, God comes in and says like, I loved you so much that I was born into this world. Like that's, that is to me, like to me, that's the power of this season is to, to, to also give space and, and be honest about these realities in our world. Um, And the tinsel and the Hallmark movies, like, you know, we gloss over that. Um, yeah, sorry, that's rambly. No, that was incredible. That was perfect. 10 out of 10. I, yeah, you made so many good points there. I'm trying to like figure out which one to zero in on. Um, we do, I think often get really caught up in like this consumeristic nature of Christmas, like rather than like the service like nature of Christmas and like the loving nature of Christmas and like the the deeper meaning behind all of it and like what like the gifts like like whenever the wise men come right and bring their gifts to Jesus like they're these rich powerful people bring these like very expensive gifts and they're bringing them to this teenage mother and a child who were basically living in poverty, you know, and honoring and lifting up those that society has oppressed and not lifted up. Well, and not to mention, I mean, those gifts themselves, like frankincense and myrrh are grave spices. Like those are, you, you use those spices to anoint a body who has died. And so like, even there, like we get, you know, we get all happy joy about like a baby in a manger, which is cute and like cuddly and often depicted as this like squidgy pink thing. Um, but the reality is that we forget that this baby born in a manger was born to do very incredibly powerful work that, that called him to die on a cross. Mm-hmm. 
that was for the transformation of the world and the the tearing down of an oppressive political system in order to to lift up those who were oppressed. I mean, it's the yeah, there's there's depth and there is power to the story of God and the gospel. And and I feel like Advent, not that Christmas doesn't capture it, but I guess what I'm saying is the, the gift of Advent for the church is that other than like chocolate Advent calendars, you're right, consumerism really hasn't taken over Advent. Um, and so Advent is the church's gift to to say. Yeah, like there's there's power in the story, and we're still we're still waiting. Like we're still waiting for so many of these things because um, there's still folks in power that need to kneel and like worship Christ. Um, and those those very magi, like they came through Herod, who you know arguably used them in order to like again. There's that whole Herod story about the killing all of the other infants and like I mean you can easily tie that into we look around the world and say well where where are children being killed on the streets in in ways that are that are not not okay that that we're waiting to be redeemed and made new yes absolutely there is throughout like the Christmas story and the season of Advent and you you referenced this a little bit whenever you were talking about, you know, the fact that these were grave, like burial spices that were brought. There's this like loop of infinity happening in this like circlical, like story always being full circle. This like, I can't ever pronounce this word, but like Orberos nature. I think that's the right. Okay. Um, gosh, I can never, hold on. I'm going to spell the word real quick because I can never pronounce it. And people are going to be like, what word is she trying to say? Um, but this, this moment where like time just exists all in like one together. O-U-R-B. Oh, oh my God. I cannot pronounce this. O-U-R-O-B-O-R-O-S. There's lots of O's in it. And so I can never. Okay, okay, okay. That's like the moment I'm always taken to this kind of concept of all of these things. Um, yeah just there's so much to read into in the season of advent and the story of christmas and like the lead up and the way it's still applicable to the world today and the way we interact and yeah yeah so we're gonna take a quick break and then we'll be back to really dive into the candle of peace um and i'm so so excited to hear what you have to say about the candle of peace Wesley is sponsored by Campus to City Wesley, a ministry of the Florida Conference of the United Methodist Church. During this holiday season, Campus to City Wesley is engaging in their year-end giving campaign. This year, we are inspired by the words of Jeremiah 29, as we have seen God building up a ministry that goes beyond our plans, leveraging online spaces to prosper our ministry even in the midst of a pandemic. If you would like to support the work we are doing here at Studio Wesley, consider donating to Campus to City Wesley by visiting campusthecity.org slash YEG2020. Hey everyone, we are back with the second half of our Wesley Union um, Advent Peace episode. And I guess let's, let's, just, let's get right to it. Um, Pastor Emily, 
Um, what is the story behind the reason for the peace candle and why is it significant? Why does it matter? Well, I mean, why the church decided on the words like hope, peace, love, and joy, the tr- I have no idea for the record. And actually, truth, if you Google like Advent candle words, like depending on the tradition, those words may be totally different. Mm-hmm. Um, like I've even seen it. I've even seen candles that are like Redeemer and great. So, eh. I mean, I think part of it is like the reality that the, there's four Sundays of Advent. And so part of the process is the collective, like as you get closer and closer to the coming of Christ at Christmas, you have more and more light shining to show the ways that, you know, darkness is dispelled where Christ, where, where Christ is present, you know, darkness is dispelled. Um, but I mean, I, I think the peace is definitely a huge part of the gospel story. Um, so I would say, you know, that's when when we're when we're doing the candles, like we we typically go with the hope, peace, joy, and love. Um, and I do think, like, I like hope first to remind us that we need it and we're looking for it, and then with the hope of Christ, like there is there is peace in there as well. So. Did that, I felt like there was another question. What else did you want me to piece specifically? Yeah, and why is it significant? Like, I guess if you could elaborate on. I mean, if the question is like, why does peace matter? I would say, well, look around the world. <laughs> talk, talk to a college student who is stressed out in the middle of finals. Like, talk to talk to the a, a, a mom or or a parent who's got a kid um, going through chemo. Like talk about, you know, talk, talk to a middle-aged person who's becoming a caregiver for their parents. Um, talk to somebody in the midst of a war zone. I mean, like peace, peace matters because we don't always see it in the world around us. And we, we, we need it. Like we need, we need hope for a world where war is no more. We need hope for a world where we can breathe and breathe deeply and sit and have conversations without fear and have have space where we can love one another in the freedom that comes in Christ. I mean, to me, like those are all important parts of peace. Um, and again, like this Advent season is not like we light this candle because we're all at peace. Like it's the opposite. Like we light this candle to remember that when we don't see peace, God's promise is still that peace is coming. When we are not feeling at peace, we light this candle because we remember that the work of Christ in the world, you know, when we say he's the Prince of peace and Christ came into the world, we remember that that is still a promise. And so if nothing else, when we light the candle of peace, what we're saying is, all right, God, we're lighting this candle because we even like, we believe that that light is going to come. <laughs> we, we believe uh, you promised this God. So, so bring it, like bring your peace into us, bring your peace into our community, bring your peace into to this world. Cause you, you came once and we know that the work isn't done. So bring your light, bring your peace. Yeah. Yeah. And you touched on this a little bit in the first half of our um, conversation, but like if there was ever a year we really needed peace, like 2020 has, I think just been such an anxiety fest for so many people and for like the world in general. Well, and here's, here's the thing though, 
I don't think, and, and I, I've said this a couple times in church. I'm like, yeah, if there was ever a year we needed peace, I don't think we actually need peace more now than we did in previous years. I think the reality is the pandemic, the, you know, the, the craziness of the way that like communication has gone online, like just the general distrust in the, like the, the general distrust that we find in well, everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we've just, it's like the sheet has been pulled back or the curtain has been pulled back in 2020. And we're finally being honest about the reality that things are fractured. Um, you know, I know we've, we've talked on with uh, CCW about Black Lives Matter pieces as well. And so, I, I mean, <laughs> if, if you, you, you talk to someone from, from the Black community and they're not going to say, oh yeah, no, injustice came in 2020. Like they're going to say, we've had this struggle for forever. Like mm-hmm. the world is just now seeing it. Like it's just now that our voices are being paid attention to and heard. Um, so I, again, I mean, I, I think like in some ways, 2020 is the year where we're f- finally set free from pretending like everything is okay. Cause mm. it's so obvious that it's so, it's so obvious. Um, Cause I think, you know, give it a couple years and we're going to go back to like crazy busy to-do lists where we continue to overlook all of the other stuff. And so our need for peace is just going to be that, well, we're so busy. We need a moment of peace, which is not wrong or bad, but also, you know, I, it's, we're, we're, we have, we have to look deeper. We have to look deeper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, and you touched on this, I think, and what you were just saying, um, peace is like a powerful tool for transformation, right? Like, there's this Audrey Assad song that I really like. Um, it's actually, I think it's an, in my opinion, it's an Advent song and not a Christmas song. And I think more people need to pay attention to it. Um, it's called Your Peace Will Make Us One. But there's a line in it and it's like, you're speaking truth to power. Um, you are laying down our swords, replanting every vineyard till a brand new wine is poured. Your peace will make us one. Yeah. And this notion that like peace is a part of like the work of resistance and the work of inclusion and the work of reconciling injustices and like living in to like pulling back the curtain on things and being like, things are not okay. We need peace. Like that, that is like a revolutionary powerful notion in a lot of ways. And also this notion that like people are worthy of rest, you know, we don't constantly have to be doing, doing, doing like, that's like a revolutionary like notion in like capitalist consumerist culture. Um, and yeah, just like, I think peace is, is central to that, like as part of the journey. And I think that's really interesting to consider, especially in 2020, as you said, it's pulled back the curtain. But it's, I mean, but it's not, it's not new. I mean, when you're looking at like the song, which by the way, I like Googled it and looked it up and I can't wait to listen to it after this podcast. Um, but that like everything that you mentioned, like the, the vineyard and planting language, like that's, that's straight from Isaiah. (laughs) These are, these are the promises that are straight through the prophets. Like these, these are the promises of the prophets coming to a people and saying, 
you have to prepare the way of the Lord. Like you, you have to be part of bringing down the stumbling blocks and lifting up the the pitfalls. Like we have to do this structurally as well as personally. Right. Cause I mean, and that's, that's what he's making. Yeah. I mean, that's what Jesus like came to do. Like, he, you know, reads these words from Isaiah 61 in the gospels and it's, you know, coming to proclaim release for the captives and liberation for the prisoners and like good news to like all these people who society has like not given good news and peace and freedom to. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the difference between like peace that we have and hold and like that it's ours versus like a call to peace and peace making. Um, Cause yeah, I mean that Isaiah 61, like that's the call of Jubilee. Like this is, this is, you know, part of that old Testament, part of the, part of the Hebrew scripture model is like every, however many years, you just have a year of Jubilee and all debt is forgiven. I mean, peace to somebody who is like held down by like mountains and mountains of debt. And then you suddenly say, we're just going to forgive it all. Like, like that's, that's mind blowing. But God said, oh, by the way, when you structure your lives and your communities, like this is what you should do. Like mm-hmm. I have a year where if somebody is in indentured servitude, which by the way, you know, I mean, obviously Hebrew scripture, like slavery in that context is not the racially, like it wasn't the same kind of slavery that we have had in America. Um, But to say like the captives will be set free, the prisoners will be released. Like this, this is like a, a radical restructuring of the very fabric of society in such a way that everybody stands on even ground. Like that's, that's shalom. Like this is the peace of God that is promised in the kingdom is it promised in the kingdom of God that Jesus Christ comes in and comes to proclaim the kingdom of God. Like this is, and the kingdom of God is a kingdom where the ground is even at the foot of the cross and all are welcome. And we are living at peace with our neighbor. Yeah. Yeah. I, I listened to a really cool podcast a while ago on the the year of Jubilee and that whole thing and how it was like a once in a lifetime event, you know, and like it was a really fascinating podcast and I'm not going to even try to condense it, but I might try to get it in the show notes here because I think people should listen to it. <laughs> um, yeah. Cause if you don't know about the year of Jubilee, you need to learn about it. Um, so we sort of, we're just referencing a lot of scriptures but are there any specific Bible stories and scriptures that come to mind when you you think about the candle of peace? Well, I love, I mean, the one you just spoke about, that Isaiah 61 um, is definitely kind of this call of peace and new life. I mean, it's not, it doesn't have the word peace in it. So we don't, like, it's not the go-to. Um, I think the typical, the typical, there's a Isaiah 11 um, that's, that's the beloved community concept that MLK Jr. used a lot. Um, but that's the, the peaceable kingdom, right? You know, the lion will lie down with the lamb and the, um, the ox will eat straw like a, um, or sorry, the, the bear will eat straw like an ox. Like it's this image of like opposites are going to come together in spaces where, you know, you would typically say like, well, this is the attacker and this is the victim. Like, they're hanging out together and it's all good. Like the animosity is gone. The, the weapons are beaten into plowshares and, and, and not just, not just like the weapons are beaten into plowshares, but like the people that were fighting are going to now garden together. 
like, I love that. Like, hey, in the midst of a, a war, we're going to be like, oh, wait, actually, just kidding. We would really much rather like pick strawberries. <laughs> like, so like that's like that's the craziness of this image of God saying like, this is actually how I would prefer that the world would be. Um, so yeah, that Isaiah 11 call to, to be at peace and hope for peace. Um, and then, and I think the other one, and just anytime I, we preach, um, sorry about that. Um, I think anytime I talk about peace in the church, like I always have like Jeremiah six in the back of my mind. And that's, that's the, the prophet who comes and it says like, Hey, by the way, you have band-aided the wounds of my people and you have cried peace, peace when there is no peace. Um, so I think that simultaneous call to kind of remember, like we have to be really careful when we say the word peace, because if we light a candle and we say, ha ha, there is peace, but we haven't also done the work of peace or mm-hmm. sought the reconciliation. Um, you know, it's like saying, well, I, you know, I, I forgive you when you're the one who has done the wrong. Or, you know, if you've said like, hey, by the way, I'm sorry for lighting your stuff on fire, um, but you haven't actually like put the fire out in the first place or replaced any of the stuff. Like this is like the, when we, when we call for peace, when we stand for God's peace, like we have to actually stand there too. Mm-hmm. It's not just, we don't just pray and hope for the kingdom of peace. Like we also have to be willing to, to be honest about it. Yeah. Yeah. Which reminds me of like the verses about, you know, faith without works is dead. You know, yep. you have to have action to follow up. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, and yes. And also, you know, I think the, it, it's hard to, you know, there's, there's that balance because we don't want to just be like, oh, well, you know, peace, justice, like we're working. Um, mm-hmm. And then Advent itself becomes this whole nother to-do list of like, it's just on us. And then it's this whole nother like heavy weighted obligation. Mm-hmm. Um, I think part of, part of peace for me is also that reality of like, God wants us enough that God, God is the one doing the heavy lifting. Like we just have to make sure that we're standing in places where we're participating in the awesome stuff that God has promised is still coming. Um, so it is a both end because I think like the work of peace can also feel like a burden. Yeah. And when it feels like a burden, that's when it leads to burnout. Um, you know, I mean, like folks who do community organizing, like that is, that is hard work. <laughs> like working for peace doesn't always feel like peaceful. Um, and so there, there is that space to come back to God who also takes our burdens and is also, um, you know, loving us without, without a whole lot of asking. I mean, there's, there's that, the balance there too. Yeah. There's like with this and most things in scripture, there's a tension to be held. (laughs) Yeah. So I think you've talked about this a lot throughout this conversation, but I'm curious if you have any like good, like s- comments on it or once you want to flesh out more, but how does the candle of peace carry us and center us in the overarching story of scripture and how is it significant for us today? Which I think we've talked a lot about that last one, but if you have any other thoughts you want to. Well, I, I mean, thematically like having a candle talking about peace, like reminds us that 
again, like we're hoping for this, we're waiting for this. God has promised us like the light and the darkness. Like it's that, it's that hope and that reminder that those, like when we don't see peace, it's really easy to be weary. And, and so to have that theme of peace is really, really important. Um, I also think, you know, just in terms of faith and discipleship, like having a candle and lighting a candle, like it's a thing Mm -hmm. and it's a, it's a thing we do that grounds us, you know, especially, especially when just weather wise, seasonal depression wise, like it's a, you know, December can be a rough season, you know, less, less so in Florida because we still have sunshine. Um, But in, in other seasons when we're just saying like, we need peace and we're weary and then you light a candle and that light shines in the darkness, like, and it's warm and it's cozy and it reminds you that we do have hope, you know, and in terms of the Advent can the, the count, the Advent calendar, I love that on the week of peace, we also light the light of hope because that, that hope that broke in in the first place carries us through and we we still have hope for this peace that is yet mm-hmm. uh, and so again I think the, the the gift is that it is a concrete practice that grounds us in the story of God you know and the story of God which is you know like you said that that eternity of like we're ramping up for God who's coming and coming again who has been here and will break us out again um, to remember to remember that peace is worth working for uh, and that it, it's a promise. I mean, it and, and anything that concretely reminds us to go back and read the scriptures, um, it's good. It's important. It's needed. Yeah. I really, I liked how you talked about like the practicalness of lighting candles. Um, I know you know Brooke, but for people who don't know who Brooke is, um, Brooke is someone who is also a ministry associate for CCW. Um, and she doesn't oversee Studio Wesley stuff like I do, but she oversees like discipleship and like our physical campuses and stuff. And she's wonderful. But she, about a year ago, I guess, maybe more like a year and a half ago, told me that she's like, Sarah, everyone needs to just light candles and stare at them for 10 minutes. She's like, it's just so centering and peaceful. And like, you just feel the presence of God. Like she just has this whole like spiel about how peaceful it is to light a candle and just stare at it. Um And I think that would be interesting to adapt as to a practice with Advent specifically, where you like light a candle and yes, we light candles for Advent, but then you spent 10 minutes or whatever, staring at your candle and like praying for peace and thinking about peace or hope or, or whatever. Um, Yeah. And I just, I was just, you started talking about, you know, the way candles are practical. And I was like, that's yes. Like it's a whole like meditative thing. And well, and I, yeah, no, I absolutely love that because that's, yeah, of course, like we can sit around, like we love fire. Fire is wonderful, but there's something to, I mean, it's, it's the season where we look towards the incarnation, right? So like, we have to be careful to make sure that our like theology and thoughts are actually coming down. Like we can talk about peace a whole lot. But if we're stressed about peace, <laughs> like if it's not slowing down our heart rate, if it's not like shaping our breathing, mm-hmm. like if it's not in our body, like if it's, th- then it doesn't line up again. It doesn't line up with the gospel that is about peace in theory 
and also peace lived out incarnationally. Um, Mm -hmm. So yeah, I mean, I think you got to have some coziness when December gets cold, you know, you, you gotta, we have to, to rest in the gift of God's promises when the world is dark. Like there's, yeah, it's both. Yeah. Yeah. And we've talked a lot about, you know, the fact that like the season can like be a lot of like be heavy on people and like be kind of a, a trigger for like some depressive and anxiety um, tendencies. And one thing I was talking with my therapist about, and she was like, the smell of candles can actually be like very centering and like grounding and like helpful for those things as yeah. well. And so there's another great benefit to lighting your candle. And yeah. Um, that would be fun to do like some sort of like the benefit of Advent candles based on Enneagram types. <laughs> that would be interesting. Because I know, like, I mean, because in Enneagram 5, like, they get caught in their head, and then they need, like, something to take them out of their head. You know, like, Enneagram 3s, I'm a 3, you know, the, like, busyness of all the things we have to get done, like, to sit down and, like, be a little bit slower and peaceful and realize, like, we don't have to do all of the things. Like, there's a gift there, too. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Hey, CCW, challenge, throne, come up with, like, candle asset benefits based on Enneagram type. Go. Put them in the comments. <laughs> it's funny that you used fives as the other example because I'm a five, so it just worked out really well. Oh, that's um, really funny. That's really funny. No, so my my brother is a five, um, and he's he just got out of the army, and he's staying with us for a little bit. And so when you were talking about, like, looking at a candle, like, he's like, I came downstairs and literally like a, like a couple weeks ago, he just was holding a candle and staring at it. <laughs> so that's why I was thinking of him and fives and yeah, no, it's good stuff. Yeah. Oh my gosh. This was such a wonderful conversation, Pastor Emily. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us and your time. And yeah, really excited about this conversation. People hear it. Thanks. Me too. And I, dude, I love CCW and I love... Yeah, no, I love you guys and I appreciate that there is space for difficult conversations and, you know, space to hold on to the complexities of life with the hope of Jesus. And so, um, yeah, may the peace of Christ be with you, all of you. May the peace of Christ that is beyond our understanding, may that settle into your soul and your bones um, and may God's peace and God's vision for a kingdom of peace, may that shape our actions and our lives. Because I I have hope for a church that is going to live for the gospel of Jesus. And that's, that's going to take your generation. I feel like that's a really old person thing to say, like older millennial, but that's, we need you guys. We need you guys to carry this hope and to live into God's peace because it's coming. It's coming. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Wesley Union. We hope you enjoyed it. We would like to extend a special thanks to today's speaker, as well as our production team, Troy Argon Buchanan, Sarah Taylor, and Derek Scott III. My name is Allison Corwin, and thank you for listening to Wesley Union, a Studio Wesley offering powered by Campus to City Wesley.